Spectrum Health and Human Services is located throughout Western New York. For an appointment, call 716-539-5500. If you are in a crisis, you can call 716-710-5172. Their website is www.shswny.org. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the second Room 9 and Spectrum Health and Human Services collaboration episode. I am hoping you guys very much well enjoyed the first one. That was about the Holistic Health Project. This episode is about an awesome, awesome grant called the Pro Social Grant. I sit down with two peer support specialists, Jacqueline Vaccaro and Heather Randolph. Heather Randolph is actually the senior peer support specialist. And I have a conversation with these two ladies about what they do as far as getting people who are struggling with substance use, who are struggling with mental health, and who are looking to go and have an awesome time in a safe and sober environment. And that's what they do. They set events up for people of the ages of 16 to 30, and they get to go do a lot of awesome things that you could find out more about by calling the Youth Social Line at 716-539-5507 and find out what they got going on. So if you're looking for an awesome, fun time without having to worry about being triggered or having drugs and alcohol around, even though alcohol is a drug, you can uh, call that number and have a good time. Check it out see what they got going on. Find out more information by listening to this podcast as well. That'll take care of you. And as always, it's always a pleasure doing work with Spectrum. They have been around the community for well over 40 years and has no relation to the stupid cable company Spectrum, just so you know. But anywho, I'm just going to allow this episode to go on and speak for itself. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Be sure to check out everything Spectrum's got going on at their website. Call them. And you can also look out for Spectrum September 7th, the Out of Darkness Walk at Canal Side is happening. I believe check-in is at 8.30 a.m. The walk's at 10.30 a.m. It ends at 1. But definitely go check that out. That is for mental health awareness and suicide prevention. And all the proceeds for that go to help funding research that is looking more into helping those who are struggling with mental health issues. Other than that, take it easy. Much love to everybody. I love each and every one of you guys, as always. And have a great week. And I cannot wait to talk to you next time. All right, guys. Enjoy. Peace. Like, I really, I really enjoy that you have your child. Oh, my daughter. Yeah. Your daughter do the, um, the intro. intros. I just yeah, uh, I thought that was really great. I just I just had her do that. It was funny. She loves it. I tried doing a podcast with my son. And he got so because he's twelve and he got so microphone shy. I was like, dude, you don't you don't shut up when I'm talking to you about stuff. And then 
I try to get them in front of a microphone. It's funny how the presence of a microphone affects people. Well, just ignore it. That's what I'm trying to it's do. It's in my face. Just ignore it. That's it's why in I'm my face. Sort of spinning. All right. Well, let's start with some. Let's do some introductions. Heather Randolph, yes. correct? Yes. What is your uh, your role, your position, your creativity that is involved at Spectrum Health and Human Services? So I am the senior peer support specialist with Spectrum Health and Human Services. That's beautiful. And what does that involve? A lot. It, it, it's morphed into something that I didn't really expect. When I first started with Spectrum, I was a solely focused on going out into the community and meeting with individuals and supporting them from my lived experience. Right. By definition, a peer uses their lived experience to help others. Mm -hmm. Right. There was only me that I was aware of at that time. Um, I think we're now like 16 big throughout all of the sites. So you kind of uh, you kind of started. Uh, So they had they had they had it pretty mapped out before I came the referral process and they had a picture of what they wanted it to be. And then with my my work experience and my lived experience, I've I have played a part in helping it grow that's awesome i currently supervise a team of nine and um that's kind of my day-to-day and we're doing this pro social with hit which has been renamed um young adult recreational by the participants and what else do i do do i do anything else drink coffee eat bonbons (laughs) so you're technically Jacqueline's boss I am her. I am her direct supervisor. Her direct me- supervisor. Her mentor. And Jacqueline, you said you have been a peer advocate. What is the term? You correct term you want me to use, Heather? It all. It's all based on titles. Ja- Jackie, what's your title? <laughs> peer support advocate. Peer support advocate. Okay. And did you have to get like your SERPA for that? Um, I'm cer- certified in SERPA and New York State Mental Health. Okay. Awesome. And you just started doing that in April. Yes, I'm also being certified in the youth peer as well. Okay, that is beautiful. Cause I just actually took my classes, I think, around in April. Uh, just I just have my provisional still. I still got to do my 500 hours and all of that jazz. But And take the test. And take the test. You, but you are a certified recovery coach? Mm-hmm. I am, yeah. That's something I want to start offering with Room 9 services down the road here. I just have to figure out what I have to do with Oasis in order to be able to do that, which I'm sure is they've already tried stopping me from working. You mean as a train-the-trainer, you want to provide the trainings to the individuals? What is it you're trying to um, just morph start, into? I, I would like to be moving more towards coaching as far as like even life coaching in a sense, but with people who have been involved in recovery down the road. My aim would be to go for people who have had more sustained recovery time. Right now, I'm working with people who have, you know, just got out of long-term treatment and uh, stuff like that. But I would like to eventually go with people who have had sustained time and are looking to really push their life and career to, like, the next step. My vision is still kind of unclear, but it's coming together. I can see As far as that. (laughs) I can see your vision. So how many um, like peers, so do you work with, meet with uh, one-on-one individuals? Yes, I have 30 clients on my caseload from ages 18 to probably in their 50s. 30 clients, holy crap, you're a superwoman over there. I try. <laughs> That's awesome. And tell me, do you love it? Do you enjoy it? What's I your do. favorite part about it? It's actually nice to go home and realize you did make a difference in somebody's life when you know, growing up, you didn't feel like you'd ever do that. And now seeing the texts I get after I leave, it's 
mm-hmm. it's definitely changed my look out my look on life that's awesome yeah i felt the same way one of my when i kind of narrowed down my use my drug use one of the biggest reasons was up there was going to work and feeling empty when i would leave like what am i doing i'm too smart i have too much to offer people to be working in a kitchen or cutting area rugs for the rest of my life and that was one of the biggest things like i love being able to sit down with people and just know that hey i'm here to help people i think that's awesome yeah and i always tell people and i'm sure you feel the same way helping people helps me the most yeah and i feel so much better when i'm done and i leave and they're not only learning from you you're learning from them as well absolutely yeah yeah that's probably my favorite part about it is definitely doing that so you guys have been running the roost that's awesome 30 people I so have the caseloads. So the caseloads. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to say that she's working actively with 30 people, so so it sort of ebbs and flows based on the participants' desire to meet, right? Mm-hmm. So the goal is to try and support to meet everybody where they're at. The objective is to try to get them to meet twice a month, right? But a lot of individuals are only up for once a month. Mm-hmm. Right. Some people are once a week, three times a week. It all it all really depends. Is individualized. Yeah. If they could see me every day, they would. <laughs> <laughs> do you kind of specify? Do you work with just women, or do you work with? I've had men referrals, but none of them seem to want to work with me right now. But the woman, I I get along with very well. I remember being in long term, and I was at Horizon Village at the end of they had the females and the males still together. I think they changed that to my that last week. That was a nightmare. <laughs> and I remember, I always felt, you know, looking, trying to at least as much as I possibly can put myself in a female's, you know, shoes. I feel like they would not be as comfortable opening up about a lot of things with uh, males sitting around all the time. I guess with me, I've had brothers my whole life. Mm-hmm. So, and guy friends. So it's easier for me, I feel like sometimes, but women are the same too now that I've realized like I never used to be friends with girls really but now Mm -hmm. that I'm working with a caseload I can relate to them a lot more and her caseload is split she has um, individuals from 30 and up and then the 21 to 30 year olds okay on her direct caseload we also have youth peer advocates who work predominantly with children up until they're 20 years old. So we have a very diverse population, just as diverse as our clients are. That's a good deal. I love it. When reviewing when reviewing referrals, because I assign all the referrals to the staff, so I, you I try to... So you get to choose, kind of, you try to figure out who would be the best fit for your... Yeah, I would say 95% of the time, I take the time to read what the clinicians write Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a referral that's done through our computer system. Um, it gets populated onto my clinician's homepage, and there's a, a box in there where they write their description of, of who the individual is, what they're looking for from peer support, um, and I try to take the time to read that and to think of who might who might work best with who. I think that to say that all women want to work with female peer support specialists and all men want to work with male peer support specialists is is sort of a narrow view absolutely yeah. right so we try to we try to shake it up a little bit mix it up make sure the diversity is there and then if someone doesn't let's say doesn't work well with jackie and would prefer a male peer then i take the time to review the rosters and take a look at who would work best with that individual sweet and you said you have how many um no, uh, there's nine. Nine. Nine that work directly under me, and there are 
15 throughout the agency. Okay. Throughout Spectrum. That is awesome. Now, Heather, you said have a story in recovery as well, correct? You know, I have to touch base on that. With in both order, of in order to be a certified recovery peer advocate. So, mm-hmm. in order to be a certified addictions recovery coach, you don't have to have lived experience. No. Right now, when they say this was my question, when they always say lived experience, I know people who are with. What are you shaking your head at me for? <laughs> I know people who, you know, family members, you know, parents or whatever, siblings who have gone through addiction and all substance use with their family members, you know, as far as their children or their brothers and sisters. Would you consider that lived experience? There's a specific certification. It's the Certified Recovery Peer Advocate Family Certification. So the SERPA So the family, the SERPA F, yes. SERPA F. Yes. (laughs) So there must, you have to have the lived experience, right? So I am OMH and OASIS certified. Okay. So I have lived experience with recovering from my own mental health challenges and addictions. I love it. How long have you uh, been in recovery? I am a woman in long-term sustained recovery, and I just celebrated 12 years clean this time. That is beautiful. This time. That is exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, you yelled at me when I said something negative about, I don't know if it was AA or NA. Are you involved more in AA or NA? One of the two? So I had been I had been in recovery for eight years when I chose to use again, right? And in those eight years, I was very robotic in my approach to recovery. Mm-hmm. I was very brainwashed, and it was 12-step programs were the only way, and this is how we do it, and there's no room for error or leeway. During my... My lapse in sustained recovery, Mm -hmm. continuous, (laughs) I came back with a different understanding. And my understanding was that I would not, that I would not lose me in the process of learning how to live a new way of life again. So this time around, I'm very open to other pathways. I have a 20 year old daughter who is who is coming up through the ranks of recovery. And I identified early on in my process that the 12 steps are not the only way, that there are other pathways. And then through my training in the 2010 through 2013, when I was certified, my mind was opened and my heart was open to like a diff- all the different pathways. And I mm-hmm. became curious about it. And what I've been able to identify recently is that the youth are not able to identify with the 12-step programs. And I don't believe it's because of an innate inability to surrender. I believe that it's just a different understanding. They think differently. The new generation has their own way of being and understanding. So I hear people say that the 12 steps need to change with the time. The 12 step programs need to change with the times. I strongly disagree with that. I believe society needs to change with the times and continue to develop programs for the recovery process that are geared towards the youth so that they can find their own way. There's fitness recovery programs. There's what we're doing with the young adult recreational program. I would like individuals to be able to find recovery through recreation and connection. Mm -hmm. I hope that answered your question. I got a little passionate there for a second. (laughs) Which I love. Passion is great to come out, especially on this podcast. I agree with you. I went through, actually just did an episode with a good buddy of mine that I haven't even posted yet, but we kind of went through the 12 steps and took the word God out and kind of just talked about them and how anybody in life could benefit from going through those. Whether you're in drug abuse or not, you can really 
improve your individuality through the 12 steps. I think that that is the place that brought me to a deeper spiritual understanding. If I happen to be at a meeting, Mm -hmm. I don't read everything as it's written on paper as we understand it, right? Mm -hmm. Not God as we understand him. It's like as we understand it. Because I was raised Roman Catholic, incense swinging and all of that, (laughs) and I rebelled against that early on in my life. When I came in, I had a real aversion to the word God. Like I could actually feel myself cringe. But it's it's in allowing the open-mindedness that the 12 steps speak of that's brought me to other pathways. I'm unable to comfortably speak at 12-step meetings because that is not my only tool that I use for recovery. A lot of it is, you know, like the spiritual stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. the the earth, the wind, the moon, the stars. Earth, wind, and fire. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But the 12-step programs are what, what have helped me to become who I am today, for sure. Awesome. That's great. Now, Jacqueline, what's, uh, what's your story like? I do not have a substance use background, but I do have mental health. Mental health. I'm an early age. I'm around the age of five. I lost my, well, I lost my mom at nine, Mm -hmm. but she was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was five. So ever since that, you know, I never really got the help I needed when I was younger. And I didn't want anyone else to have to go through what I did growing up with the loss of a parent. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, it kind of backfired on me and I had a very rough year. For a little bit with you know suicide ideations and everything and I'm definitely better it's been three years but it was tough and I was nobody understood what I was going through so I felt alone even though I knew I wasn't Mm -hmm. and thank God for working at Spectrum because they really did help me yeah that's awesome yeah that's my brother and sister died when I was 15 in a car accident and I remember I didn't even remember I should say how much it even affected me it took me probably a decade to look back and I would be hanging out with buddies and we'd be talking about high school and I was like I don't remember any of this like what happened and the mind is so powerful I can't imagine it having to really five years old you're such you're like in the moment enjoying life and then all of a sudden you are thrown in your face that death is real and it can come at any moment and take anybody it wants and that's got to be crazy tough for you yeah I mean, she was in remission, and then as soon as that five years hit is when it spread everywhere, and maybe a matter of two months, she was gone. So it was like she was there, and then she wasn't. The snap of the fingers. Yeah. That's all. Well, good for you. That's awesome to hear how good you're doing, because a lot of people don't. I mean, that's that's tough to go through. That's awesome. And you started working with Spectrum, not working like officially, but they helped you out, I mean, I guess? Um, No, I kind of just was told by somebody to apply there. Because I had my associates in social work, mm-hmm. and I started at the bottom, and I've worked my way up kind in of four years. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's awesome. I t- I've enjoyed everybody that I have sat down with at Spectrum. You guys are awesome. They have awesome people here, and I think it's. I'm very excited to kind of go through and sit down with everybody and keep talking with them. You've been a, a you are a great asset to the peer team. Like I'm, I'm grateful to have you. Even when she hangs up on me. <laughs> I don't. It's not an actual hang-up. She doesn't want to hear my voice every day. Would that be the first or the fifth call? Probably the tenth. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> so tell me more about this. Um, the grant, you kind of touched a little bit about it on the phone that you guys receive. 
and kind of your main mission as far as getting people and these youth in recovery and getting them into recreational connection. Okay, so the name of the grant is the Pro-Social Grant, and I believe that Spectrum became aware of it. It's my understanding that we became aware of it in, like, May, and I became aware of it in, like, June of this year. Um, it's a it's an OASIS grant dedicated to um, 16 to 30-year-old individuals, young adults from the community that can identify with having, like, a substance overuse or a substance use disorder, which I... Not really fond of that term. You did say that. Let's let's touch on that for a second. What is what is your uh, what's your deal with the substance use? Well, we'll see how this podcast goes over. So <laughs> I believe that if that there's a lot of studies out there that talk about that drug use is what we do in response to our trauma, mm-hmm. right? So for those individuals that may have started using when they were nine, there was obviously something going on at that time. So my experience is that the addiction, the substance overuse, the complete attempt at avoidance was in response to stuff that was going on mm-hmm. previous to that, right? So I don't necessarily look at it as a disorder, You know, it's more of like a response to more of like a syndrome as opposed to. But there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion, I think, going on out there is my belief has always been that it's always because something has happened and you are numbing out from something. And a lot of people have said, well, what if some people just start using and then it feels good? But I've always tell people the mind is, you know, like we kind of just touched on, the mind is so powerful, yet you can have something traumatic happen to you that you don't even remember. So wouldn't the people who are using who it feels good to, right, Mm -hmm. wouldn't those be the individuals who can continue to use and not end up living under a bridge in jail, institutionalized for the majority of their life, right? So there's definitely as many pathways to understanding addiction as as there are human ways of thinking right Mm -hmm. so like we all we all can understand it just a little bit differently but there are individuals so i i choose an abstinence-based pathway right that's not everybody's path you know harm Mm -hmm. reduction is getting a lot of attention these days and it it makes sense to me and i think that that's that the harm reduction piece that's kind of what i what i mean when i'm talking about i'm not sure the 12-step abstinence-based programs need to change, I think that society needs to open their heart and open their minds and modify it a little bit. There are some meetings um, in our area called MARA, which are for individuals who are utilizing medically-assisted treatment, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's other pathways that can be created to accommodate all of that. I think I got off the mark there. No, no, you're not. No, I I, I took you off the mark because I had wanted to pick pick at your... um issue with the term because I think the language is constantly changing. Oh, for sure. It's softening and becoming much more trauma informed. I Mm -hmm. mean, people are becoming gentler with each other, which is, you know, which is is sort of where I would like to see this um, pro-social youth or young adult recreational go where I would like it to become like a viable pathway for people where where the individuals are coming together, they're sharing their experience. Maybe one of the participants is only it's only been 24 hours since they used because there are some guidelines that the young adults are creating, right, mm-hmm. to to protect themselves and each other. So there may be someone who is 
just only contemplating whether or not, whether or not they want to be clean, right? I'm not going to get into the stages of change and all clinical on you, right? We don't have to do that. <laughs> good, good. I'm not comfortable there. <laughs> Who, someone who's just contemplating not using or is just curious, like, what what's out there for them to do besides, like, hanging out at Cas Park, playing hacky sack, drinking beer, right? Mm-hmm. So... And then there's individuals who are in long-term sustained recovery who are attending, and and together they can sort of teach each other, right? There are some participants that are members of the 12-step community who bring with them the spiritual principles that they've learned to live by, right? So it's like each one teach one, you know? like, Mm -hmm. And that's where I would like to see this going. I feel like there does. There absolutely has to be more events more things going on that are attracting people in sobriety and honestly i hate using i absolutely hate using this but it's very much like it i grew up in a christian home but it was more of a evangelical go to youth group thing but the one thing i did love about it was youth group going with groups of kids i went to venezuela helped build an orphanage you know i've done some awesome things that i really enjoyed as much as i could sit here and bash the dogmatic no. christian way but right. that community that sense of community and doing that outreach right. and saying hey i can go here i i feel safe i'm not i don't have to worry at least hopefully you don't have to worry about somebody selling me drugs or you know just putting me in a bad spot feel comfortable you feel connected as you said i think connection is the most important part of it and you get to have fun and i think a lot of people have that opinion that not partying not doing drugs means boring right right exactly like and i learn a lot from the youth from the young adults in my life you know i i'm passionate about a lot of what spectrum's doing like i'm excited to work here i don't i don't re- i don't like get up and go oh i got to go to work today <laughs> right like i'm excited like the holistic health project like i've been on fire about about that mm-hmm. since there were since I heard whispers of it and then the pro-social young adult recreational program that they're doing like I was excited when I was invited to that meeting and said you know what do you think the some of the um, youth peer advocates had already met to see where they wanted to go with it before I was brought in and I just you know like I'm on fire for it I'm a little old to participate right I might be <laughs> slightly over 30 years old but Jackie here's my input they take it wherever wherever it's going to lead them. And I'm pretty excited. I have, you know, like personal experience. You know, like I said, I have a 20-year-old daughter who is, who is following closely in, in her generational footsteps, right? And she was, she was dating this boy, and they would always hang out in the park, and they would always do stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I was in complete objection to this relationship. Naturally. Right, you know, <laughs> graduate of Renaissance House, not a not a proponent of the 12-step programs, kind of mm-hmm. playing hacky sack and drinking beer. You know, even though I would suggest, why don't you guys come here with me? Why don't we go there, like to different different programs and different, you know, why don't you guys sit down and we'll do the smart recovery meeting? Um, that's nothing that he was that he was ever able to do. So my daughter's first love, first boyfriend. Odied and died in sept- on September third of twenty seventeen. So I think part of part of my passion to to see this succeed is to prevent that pain for all these families, right? Like this program was created by you know this grant was offered by Oasis in direct response to the opioid crisis, you know. So I think that our youth just need to have something better to do, like the youth programs at your mm-hmm. church, like the hub at the Wesleyan Church on McKinley, like all of you just, know all of just that. Just not shove doctrine down. 
their face. Yeah, maybe we could leave the doctrine out of it, but whatever, so. whatever works like for you. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> if doctrine works, well, hallelujah. <laughs> no shoving your own ideology down other people's faces, which is great, yeah. Exactly, the freedom to create something that works for them. That's where I would like to see and this I love go. It. I love it. Jacqueline, what's, uh, what's your take on the this grant and being a part of it, and what would you like to see happen? I just think it's a cool way for people to meet each other that don't have anyone else. Like, you know, some people, their friends, they want to be in recovery and their friends aren't. So they could come here and meet people and eventually gain a new group of friends that are all in recovery. And, you know, they eventually go off and start doing stuff together. They'll still keep coming to the events, but they'll Mm -hmm. gain new friends and new outlooks on life. And they'll be able to leave those friends that are still using behind. Because you're always going to have people in your group of friends that aren't going to want to be in recovery like you are. I think a lot of people, I had the, I don't know if it's an advantage or not. I never used heroin around anybody except myself. So I didn't really have to go through that whole change my friends thing. But a lot of people I know, they just, they have nobody that I've talked to in rehab. They're like, all my friends are, you know, addicts. They all use, I cannot be around them anymore. I feel like I don't have any friends, any connections anywhere. And I see that a lot in the, in the recovery community. Well, they, you know, uh, one of the, doctrines so to speak as people places and things mm-hmm. right like oh no if you use it's you know i'm automatically going to use it. a lot of individuals don't realize that it's an inside mm-hmm. an inside job so to speak that our recovery comes from internalizing what works for us you know i mean you went there you mentioned you mentioned words right like with the heroin in my day it, it was different like we drank a beer together or maybe we smoked a joint now these the youth are coming into contact with each other and they're like, hey, nice to meet you. You want to try shooting some dope? Like it's become <laughs> it's become that desensitized. It has. Yeah. You know, and the bottom of life can be found quicker with one substance than, than it may be found with another, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think a bottom's necessary either, but that's a whole other conversation. No, we're not going to get into the, the but rock I, bottom talk. I think We, that we could do youth... a whole episode on that. <laughs> I, I really, I, I really think that um, that Jackie's got a good handle on what we're what we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. This is my question that I like to ask people, because I think it's important. A lot of people are like, what is a peer advocate? What is a recovery coach? And what, how do you define, you know, yourself, Jackie? The difference between like a, a peer advocate, recovery coach, as opposed to mental health counselor you know, and all the other counselors that are out and about and everything else, like a sponsor, you know, how do you kind of define that difference? I think the difference with us is we do have lived experience with a lot of things and that's what a lot of clients tell me. It's easier to talk to us because we've been through a lot and we can talk about our story. I feel like sometimes with counselors, they're just hearing their story, mm-hmm. like the client stories, the counselor's not giving them their story as well. And sometimes, so I feel like with peers and, you know, recovery coaches, we're able to give them our story as well. And, you know, sometimes we could tell them stuff going on in our life. So they, you know, start to feel a bond with us. I've had clients tell me that they trust me more than anyone else mm-hmm. because, you know, with a peer, we're non-clinical. So we can't go back. Like if the courts call us, if CPS calls us, that's not our job to speak with them. But, I mean, if a counselor asks a question, we'll talk to them. But the only time we'll really go to crisis services is if they're in danger, if, you know, they want to harm themselves. Other than that, we're basically just their friend and we're there to vent because some of these people don't have anybody to talk to. Absolutely nobody. Unless a statement of harm to self or others. I remember one of my 
one of my first visits while working with Spectrum, the woman sat me down and said, so you're paid to be my friend, right? <laughs> you know, and my, my response to that, of course, is, is no. Friendship it happens over time and with mutual respect for each other, but I'm here to support you. Mm-hmm. I have one client every time I get in the car that says, there's my paid friend. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> right, it's because... Like, Okay. (laughs) It is that kind of relationship, you know, like it, it really is. And I think that that's why I stay in this role. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I was well on my way to my KSAC, CRC, like all of that when, I mean, like well on my way. When I just, when I discovered the, the peer movement while working for independent living, I was like, wow, I can use my pain and my attempts at complete self-sabotage that were unsuccessful (laughs) to help another person. Like, right on, man. What else is there? Like, you know, like each one, teach one, each one, reach one, nothing about us, without us. All of that, like, just really resonates with me and my, it just makes sense. I think with us, too, is we have the phones. We do have work phones. And I always tell my clients, you know, even though I only work until 4.30, my phone, if you need to text my phone, if you want to vent to somebody, not that I'm going to answer you, but the next day when I get to work, I will. But if you just need to get stuff out and you, you know, you have an ex-boyfriend that you're trying to text and you don't want to text them, text my phone. I won't answer, but you'll have that text out and it will make you feel like you sent it to them, but you're really sending it to my phone. I tell them at any point they can text me, mm-hmm. not that I'm going to answer, but it is there to help them, you know, vent what they need to say. And the next day when I do start at 8.30, I will answer. (laughs) Well, and exactly, like exactly. My personal phone says, I'm sorry, I can't get to you right now. Please ramble on. And then it goes into Heather's version of the four agreements. And I tell individuals, like, I can promise you one or two things when you call. I'm either going to answer or I'm not. But please leave a voicemail because like that venting, you know, because you still, you say, hi, this is Jacqueline. Right. Like that's your voice. And they they feel comfortable to to talk. We support individuals face to face on the telephone as they're going through their darkest moments in their life. And I'm on fire for it, man. I love it. It is. It's awesome. I think like kind of we touched base on before you can and you just mentioned it. You can use your pain to help others. And in return, it helps you with your own pain on the other side of that coin like we have to be careful what we're sharing like if we're sharing our trauma story we have to be mindful of the fact that we can we can actually activate somebody else's anchor in their trauma so we don't go into deep details we just you know give enough so that they can understand like yeah me too like I was there and I and I think the thing I love most about my job is I'm not only helping you know, so when I, w- when I was a peer, I, w- I was an overachiever, so I would help a lot of people in a 30-day period, right? And it was approached to me when, when I was asked if I wanted to, to take more of a supervisory role. The best sale pitch was now you can help 10 people help 30 people, mm. right? Like right on, like that makes sense. And I know that peer practice is, is evidence-based, right? It's proven to work, but it's it's more on like a grassroots level for me. Like we need to just kind of get in the pit and love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heather, yeah. you've got to love my phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. I'll try on number 22 to not be like, ugh. 
What does she want? She rushes me off the phone. Well, because sometimes, you know, like sometimes I'm doing other things besides waiting for your phone call. <laughs> and I know you find that hard to, hard to believe, right? But I can't, I can't not answer it because what if something's going on? Like the safety of my team and especially you, Jackie, you know, means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I can't just like send you. I also can't text and drive. I drive all the way out to Olean for clients, Farmersville. I'm pretty sure I just heard a contradictory version of whether you can text and drive prior to our interview here. that was just a picture conversation it's not an interview. but i'm just saying i would rather i don't know those areas that well mm-hmm. i mean i've been going to them every day for six months but i don't know the police around there so i'd rather just call her and get it over with than waiting for that text and you know risking my own life well and sure it makes sense lives of course of please do yeah so those are those 20 phone calls a day because mm-hmm. i'm always in the car <laughs> and all of them just as important as the last <laughs> or what are you eating for lunch today <laughs> What are you doing for lunch? <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. Today's the day. Are you guys doing lunch? I think we might do a late lunch. Uh, a late I lunch? hadn't even thought of that. I didn't Look start till twelve thirty today, so. Oh, that's even. <laughs> Why better. didn't you start until twelve thirty today, Jackie? Because I have my Wyco Youth Peer event tonight. What is that? It is at the. I can't say it. Ranchero. Uh, Rowan Shar. Rowan Shar. It's a horse stable. And you don't go horseback riding, but the horses, it's kind of like an anxiety thing. Like, So it's a, it's, so this grant is to cover both, um, two counties, Wyoming County and Erie County. So there's two, there's two events per county a month, which means four events a month. Okay. Tonight's event is in Wyoming County at a draft horse rescue where it's not like the therapeutic horses in Buffalo, the equine therapy stable it's it's just the the individuals will get to go the young adults recreationally will get to go and like learn how to lead the draft horses brush them care for them okay um she assured she assured us that there's no like cleaning of stalls or anything but no, no picking up horse shit <laughs> no horse shit picking up you know just to engage their community wyco is wyco as we love lovingly call it wyoming county is is very rural and there's there's such limited resources and things for individuals who are engaging in recovery to do mm-hmm. that that's sort of the focus of this grant is to find new unusual things that you may not have known were happening right in your backyard so tonight's event is from 5 30 to 7 30 and that is in wyoming county varysburg varysburg yeah i guess wyoming county is very vague it takes somebody a while to find the place <laughs> trying to find the event on my phone but that was like is this in uh an activity that you came up with yourself or in a meeting with some other people? I think I kind of talked to Heather about how I wanted to go back riding one time. And then we just started kind of looking into this and Heather found it. No, that's great. Actually, when we were first introduced, when this grant was first introduced to us and we complied with the directive to see what we could do with it, my supervisor, Robert Kanata, VP of Community-Based Operations, had been at one of the community meetings that he goes to in this, and had met this woman. So he was helping me try to figure out what's in Wyoming County because I don't really spend a lot of time out there. Um, and he suggested it, and then we went about, Jackie and I went about researching it. We drove out there. We looked at it to see what it offered, and she was all about it. We, we looked it. at a bunch of places out there we can try and go to, and some of them were better than others. 
<laughs> I do have to imagine it's tough to find when you're out in the middle of the country and the rural areas to find, you know, lots of stuff to do. There's actually a Hidden Valley, valley animal thing, too, and a Hidden Valley animal encounter. So we'll really, that sounds interesting, too. That's good time. So it really each each the next event, the next two events for the following month are planned at the last event of this month. So okay. the individuals who attend tonight, the the young adults who attend tonight will decide what they want to do next time. Oh, that's awesome. So you kind of let them put their say in and their vote in and Right. I mean, that's that's kind of the that's the gist is that um, the advisory group can develop their own rules, expectations and do what they want to do. Okay. Right now, not what I want them to do. Although I have come in, I have come up with a few more ideas and had a conversation with a yoga instructor who is willing to do like uh, recovery based yoga moves, mm-hmm. right? Like trauma informed yoga at Como Park. He do yoga. <laughs> Can't even play kickball. Exactly. Uh, I, I will uh, leave it up. I to fell them. in love in y- with yoga not too long ago. We'll leave it up. That's why we'll leave it up to them. (laughs) I tell them, I said, you guys can do whatever you want. I will stand back and watch. (laughs) Oh, that was the the skydiving conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a good time. Oh, and Fantasy Island. I have a feeling there'd be some uh, liability things <laughs> coming in with the skydiving. I mean, personally, probably. They'd be more worried about me than anybody else. <laughs> I think we have them sign a form, right? <laughs> An injury release form. But, you know, I mean, the, the thrill-seeking, we have to expect that it may take a turn like that mm-hmm. towards the more thrill-seeking based on, you know, how, how some people with who struggle with substance overuse live their lives sort of on the edge. And, and that being part of the thrill of it all and the lure. The the adrenaline junkies. We have uh, an event that they're trying to plan for September, one of the participants at the Richard Olmstead Complex. They want to do ghost hunting. Really? So they're real into that. Oh, and then there's fun. me who's going to end up sleeping in the car. back at home. <laughs> <laughs> right, I might have to join in on this ghost. I've never had a paranormal experience ever. How old are you, Sean? going to be 34 september 1st sorry 16 to 30 year olds i'm actually 29 so (laughs) good answer (laughs) me too i can come help facilitate (laughs) (laughs) um even like even like the staff the spectrum staff who's involved in the program we're keeping you know that's they're between the ages of of 18 and 30 all youth focused and driven i I just got id'd uh, in the vape store the other day i can't believe i'm mini night vape but you know i can i can pass for 18 I was somewhere and I didn't get ID'd. And I was very upset about I it. Bet. I was very upset. I always get ID'd. Not that I brought my ID that day because I don't drink <laughs> alcohol, but I walked in and they didn't ID me and I was very upset. I'm I'm starting to get to that age where I'm like, I'll take it. Unless I don't have my ID on me, then I'm kind of annoyed. But... I went to the casino once and I was twenty three at the time. I'm twenty six now. I know it's hard to tell. But <laughs> they thought I was twelve. They asked if I wanted the kids menu. Oh, that is awesome. I should have said yes. That is great. So I'm going to end this the way I ended the last Spectrum podcast. Do you remember how I did that? Did um, you listen to it? Probably not. You I'm kind not of sure. I'm... jam-packed them in <laughs> at the last moment. Did. So thanks for taking I... your time to prepare for this, Heather. <laughs> it's either no preparation or over-prepare. There's no in-between, Sean. There's I just don't know no. how to do I, it. Honestly, I'm learning how to do that in-between because... 
No I, preparation. Now honestly. that I've been, I'm going on, this is like episode 44 or 45 or something like that. And I'm starting to like, all right, I have to be a little more prepared because I love this free flowing conversation. And I love the whole, you know, somebody feels like they're sitting down with us and just listening. And it's not like an interview, which I hate that word, speaking of language. And so I usually call it a conversation, but I'm at the point where I have to start, you know, I want to do more research, be more prepared. And because I found the one episode when I was editing it, I'm like, I'm just talking to her about my life issues. What am I doing? I got to stop this shit. Must have been must have been a conversation with a therapist. It, huh? Yeah, it was. Actually, it was the one with Janet. I remember I was like, why am I just talking about my divorce with her? What am I doing? Because that is who Janet Gaskin is. <laughs> she that is. is. That is who she is. I worked. I had the privilege of working with her at the Mental Health Association. Um, mm-hmm. I worked for a short time with her at Save the Michaels with a family right before... I was actually working with that family when I took the position at Spectrum. Okay. So I had to step off of the Save the Michaels thing. So I've known Janet for a while, and she does just kind of bring that out. You just kind of spill she it. Is. She is the best. Mm-hmm. She picked me up. Uh, she was there right when I got released from jail to go up to my short-term rehab. So oh, right on. I went with Save the Michaels, yeah. And they were. Uh, she was awesome. I, I love her. She, everybody knows her, and that was excited to finally get her to do a pot i had to twist her arm to do it yeah we she and i were talking about it last night because hers was the first one that i i reviewed while i was studying Mm -hmm. for this podcast (laughs) i had no preparation thanks you're welcome (laughs) there's no need to prepare that's what that's what it's my job really to be preparing do you think that we that we answered your questions and talked enough about the youth social do you think i do well my my last kind of uh you know top is you know what do you guys have to say your final kind of advice, information, loving words to uh, the masses that are going to be listening to this. I think that if you are between the ages of 16 16 and 30 30. and questioning whether or not you want to experience the joy of living and without without the use of anything and come out and participate that you can call the youth social line at 716-539-5507. And Jackie will get back to you as soon as she can. That's Thank great. you. That's all going in the introduction as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming so anyway. I'll see what the bosses say. But Jackie, what about you? Instead of this reading a flyer. If <laughs> that you was could, not me. If you could, I had um, so much trouble. <laughs> have advice for somebody who is struggling out there. Who I think is if looking you're for help. struggling, you should get help no matter if you feel like you're going to be judged or not. Because... There is help out there, whether it be a peer, a counselor, you know, or just venting to somebody like there's there's always help out there. And you are not alone as much as you may think you are. I think there's such this and this has kind of been like my main thing that I want to stop is there's such this stigma with going to get help psychologically. But physiologically, you get yelled at if you don't go to a doctor and get a checkup. Why didn't you go to your physical? Why didn't you go do that? But psychologically, we don't. We, th- we think it's weakness and it's been one of my like kind of passions that's been brewing up is to really get people to stop thinking that way. Going to sitting down with a therapist, going to a rehab, going to a recovery coach, going to a peer advocate, going to anywhere and getting help for your psychological concerns and needs is not weakness. And as far as my experience is concerned, it takes a lot more courage and strength to do that. 
I think that we're all, you know, that that as long as we're open to realizing the truth in life, right, mm-hmm. that we we learned how to walk by someone teaching <laughs> us how to walk, right, that the best coach has a coach, mm-hmm. the best therapist has a therapist, and um, that the mutual the mutual exchange of ideas and and you know, successes and failures and what you did to overcome it really needs to be recognized and talk about. We, we need to stop living in a bubble and keeping everything under a rock. Like, mm-hmm. talk about what's real, what's really happening. And most of the, I, I think that with the stigma, we have to be really careful not to stigmatize ourselves. Yeah, I you agree. Know? And sometimes with this, when you do have, you know, 30 clients, you have to be able to go home and not take their problems upon yourself either. That's huge. And, you know, a few years ago, I didn't do that. But now it's once I leave a client, I leave their problems there. And then the next time I go, I'll, you know, when I get home, I forget completely what we talked about. But once I get back there, I remember everything. It's just you've got to be able to help yourself and have self-care as well as helping others. I mean, and that cliche saying you can't help somebody else if you don't help yourself is so true though it is because if you don't have anything to give how are you going to be able to help people as a peer advocate if you're not helping yourself what do you have to teach anyone there you go i can't teach you what i did to overcome something if i'm not doing anything to overcome anything and i think in this in this industry especially it is so important to make sure you don't take people's weights personally on and it's hard because most people who are in this industry to help people are very much well in touch with their empathetic side and want to be able to put themselves in the other person's shoes and want to be able to help. But when you, when you bring that home, obviously you're, you're going to wear your burn yourself out real quickly. And it is, and even like you said about the phone calls, you can call I'm after four 30. I don't answer my phone. You can leave a message. I'll get back to you at eight 30 the next day when I'm back working is super important. It's something I've struggled with myself, just working with three different clients as far as them reaching out to me when they need something or want something, so. Well, we teach people how to treat us, right? And, you know, we, it, they, transparency is key. You know, be honest. Like, at 5 o'clock, I, I need to take care of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a great team. Important. We have a great team. And Spectrum is, is really good about the trainings for the self-care. They keep it on point. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. As always, everybody has been awesome here at Spectrum. You guys are awesome. Thank you for what you do. Honestly, it's awesome. And it's really great to uh, sit down with you guys. All right. Thank you for having us. All right. No problem. All right. We're signing off. And that is it. Hope you guys love that episode. Once again, I cannot say enough about the individuals that work at Spectrum. I have a blast with them. I'm very much well enjoying to get to know each and every one of them. They're genuine. They're authentic. They want to help. So make sure you reach out to them. If you or somebody you know is struggling with mental health or substance use, you can also get in contact with them at their website, which is www.shswny.org. So be sure to hit them up and use their services because that's what they're there for. As I mentioned before, they've been around for well over 40 years, and they offer a large variety of quality behavior healthcare services in not only Erie County, but Wyoming County as well. And I find, honestly, that they take pride in everything that they do and are just completely there to meet every individual and their families exactly where they need to be met at. 
So if you need help, be sure to go get it. And they are a great organization to get help from. Other than that, that is it. This is the second Spectrum Health and Human Services in Room 9 podcast. And I hope you guys are enjoying it. Have a great week. Stay strong. Stay positive. Think you can change. Know you can change. Then you can change. All right. That's my wisdom for the week. (laughs) All right. That's all I got, guys. Peace out.